we should examine our hearts and just make sure that everything is right between us and the Lord and us and his church, his body. And uh, that's what we're going to do. As we sing this next song, I want to encourage you as we sing it to just examine your heart. Or even better yet, ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and see if there's anything that you need to do business with God about. And if there is, just do it. I mean, it's so simple. He couldn't make it any easier. We come to him. We confess, Lord, I blew it. I did this or I did that or, you know, I, 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 you know my heart's not right toward this person or that or, or whatever it is. Just bring it before him and be honest about it and tell him that you're sorry. And he tells us when we do that, he not only forgives us willingly, readily, immediately, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And then our hearts are pure before him. And that's how he wants them to be before we share in the Lord's Supper. So as we sing this next song, take a moment and let's get our hearts, if they're not already, let's get our hearts right before him. I invite you to stand while we do this. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling.
everybody have their elements the apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he said for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you so the Lord the Lord appeared to Paul because he wasn't there but the Lord appeared to Paul and told him what went on that night that he was betrayed. 
says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. And we take this to remember that. Let's take it together. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul says that as we take this cup together, that we are proclaiming the Lord's death until that day when he comes again. Let's take it together. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made out of love for each one of us. We thank you that even though our hearts are broken, that your body was broken and your blood was poured out for us, our hearts are broken that our sin caused that, required that to happen. Lord, we sure are grateful and thankful that you loved us that much to do that so that we could be restored to relationship with our Father. So we thank you. Through your blood that was poured out, we are fully restored. Through your blood that was poured out, our needs are met. And Lord, we pray right now that, that every one of us, those that are here, those that could not be here for whatever reason, we ask that you would touch the areas of our hearts where we most need your touch the areas of our lives. Lord, there are those who aren't here because they're sick. And we ask for your healing, your healing presence. The healing comes through the blood of Jesus. We ask for your healing to be poured out into their lives right now. For those whose lives are broken from whatever brokenness, we ask for your healing and we ask for your restoration. Holy Spirit, come and apply the blood of Jesus to each one of our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are uh, got a few things that we'd like to share with you now about some upcoming things, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, Emma, go ahead and 
start that off for us. How has sovereign impacted me? It has taught me how to communicate with God. It gave me an inner strength. It's increased my longing to hear voice. I'm able to teach my little kids about angels. It has just reinforced the awareness that the creator of the universe loves me. Hello everyone, my name is Micah Turnbow. I am on staff here at Vineyard Church Northwest. I pastor the prophetic ministry. And I wanna to talk to you about our fall class that we have coming up. It is uh, called School of Prophetic Ministry and I'm really excited about it. And what this class is, it's, it's, it's a class where you will learn to hear the voice of God. Um, but one of my desires is to raise up friends. And what a friend is to God is someone who lives life with God. They hear his voice. They do his word. They obey him. And they walk in the supernatural. And that is one thing that you can expect in this class is to encounter the supernatural. You'll, you'll have dreams. You'll have visions. You know, you'll even have angelic encounters. We've had people actually see visions of heaven. You know, and you're really going to enjoy it. And you'll understand what you're encountering. You know, you're not only have these experiences, but you'll understand why you're having them. So I want to encourage you to register for our class and I hope to see you there. All right, if you've been here for a few weeks now, you have seen that a few times, uh, but this is uh, crunch time right now. You have until Tuesday to sign up if you're interested in registering for that. If you still have questions, call or text or, or uh, contact Susie. Uh, contact the office and uh, she'll get you the information but classes begin this Tuesday October 5th at 6 30. They're run from 6 30 to 8 30 so they're two hours every week uh, so uh, but that starts this Tuesday it's it's coming up so we're looking forward to that. Uh, I know we think we've got eight people so far that have signed up so if you are uh, still thinking about it Time to, to, time to make a decision. And then uh, this Wednesday, the 6th, again, from 6.30 to 8.30, same time frame, we are having another family fun night. Uh, for those of you that were here at the last one, uh, the last few, uh, they're a lot of fun. We, just, we share a meal together. There are different games set up for people to play and just have a lot of fun. So... Um, that is this Wednesday. Mark that on your calendar. Uh, bring a dish to share. Uh, as everybody, you know, we've had some tremendous dishes, uh, some tremendous things um, that, uh, to, to share together. But something happens around a meal. Something happens when, we, when, when people eat together. And it's, it's such an important part of sharing in our lives. And that's why the, the, the communion is called the Lord's Supper. Something happens, and there's an intimacy, there's a, uh, a bonding that takes place over food. And, you know, that sounds good to me because I like food. So, um, you know, plan on being here. Uh, it'll be a great time. And then one other thing to mark your calendar, October 16th. That's a Saturday. Uh, mark your calendars. We're having Fall Churchyard Cleanup Day. We're going to do a lot of cleanup around the property, around the, the outside here, and there will be some work inside too if you're one that just does not or cannot do 
you know, outdoor yard work, whatever, we have things lined up also for inside. But our focus is going to be in the yard. So that's the 16th at 9 a.m. That's a Saturday. Encourage you to uh, help us out with that. We've got several projects that we'd like to take care of. Um, for those that are prepared to continue to worship through tithes and offerings, uh, three ways to do that here. One is you can give electronically by going to our website, bloomingtonvineyard.com. Click on the little give icon. It'll walk you through it. And just as a word of note, if you choose the, the ACH option, which is the bank draft uh, from the account, then there is no fee whatsoever for you, for us, for anybody. Uh, so, uh, but if you choose a debit or a credit card, then those companies charge a, a slight fee. So anyway, um, that's one way. Another way is that if you brought it with you, you can drop it in one of the black boxes by the doors. That's what those are for, uh, on your way out. And, or you can just mail a check to, made out to Vineyard Community Church, uh, to P.O. Box 3277, and the zip is 47402. So that's all the announcements we have. Uh, let's pray, and then we're going to uh, get into our message. Lord, I ask for your anointing to share, and I ask, Lord, as we open our hearts, that we would hear what you want to say to us today. We thank you so much that you've given us your word. Your word. Lord, you've given it to us, and, and, and we, we are grateful for that because you speak to us through it. Thank you for that, and help us to hear what you're saying. So we open our hearts and open our ears to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, <coughs> amen. Amen. Well, we're going to uh, conclude our series today on 1 John. Um, ten weeks, can you believe it's been ten weeks we've been going through this? Uh, now that we're finishing the book, I hope that between now and next Sunday or sometime this, this week, take some time, sit down, and just read it. It doesn't take that long to, to read it through in one sitting. Just sit down and read through it and see if the Lord doesn't bring some things to mind that we've talked about. You know, all of a sudden you'll see a phrase or you'll see a, a, a verse or statement that is like, oh, yeah, I remember this about that. Um, you know, you'll you'll go through and you'll see the three key themes that we've been talking about throughout that keep coming up through the letter. The, the incarnation of Christ that John writes about, the, our love for our brothers and sisters. You'll see verses that that all of a sudden will strike you. Yes, I remember, I recognize this as one of these key themes of John or, or the relationship between sin and those who are children of God and how we can know if we're really children of God. You'll go through, as you go through the book, these things should, you know, Holy Spirit should re remind you, could bring these things up because these are all things that matter and they matter a great deal. Uh, you know, our, our Christian faith, is not just a set of beliefs that we hold. We need to realize that. It's not just checking off a box, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. It's not just a set of beliefs. It's who we are. It describes who we are because it influences how we think, how we process what we see, 
what we value, the choices that we make every day, all those things are influenced by this thing called our Christian faith, this system of faith that we believe. It's not just in our head, it's in our lives every day. And it's not just a matter of choosing what we believe among many options. Well, I, I choose to believe this faith system. I choose to believe this system. It's not like that. It's not like going into the grocery store and choosing toothpaste. I mean, do you remember when there were only four choices of toothpaste when you go in the grocery store? You had Colgate, you had Crest, you had Pepsodent, and you had Gleam. Anyone remember that one? I don't even know if that one's still around. But you had four choices. Now you have 20 choices in 20 different brands. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not like that. I'm going to go in and, you know, they, and they all basically do the same thing. They clean your teeth. They, they uh, 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 freshen your breath. You know, they, they protect your teeth. They all basically do the same thing. One advertises a little different than the other. One tastes a little different. But, you know, it's not like we go in and say, oh, I'll choose this one. There's one truth. One truth in the gospel. Now, yes, we have many churches, and they all belong to God. I mean, you know, all the churches that are preaching the gospel, you know, that you know, God's church, His body, Jesus' body, is a lot bigger than just this church. You know, we have brothers and sisters all throughout this community, all throughout this state, in this region, this nation, and the world. But on the basics. There is one truth, and truth matters. And that's why this letter is so important. That's why we spent 10 weeks in it, digging into it. Because just as John was combating the uh, influence of false teachers who were trying to entice people away from the truth, we're facing the same thing in our society today. We are surrounded by influences that would pull us away from the truth of the gospel, that would pull us away from this foundation of truth on which our faith rests. So John writes this letter to combat that. He writes to give us an assurance of the truth that they heard of the, at the beginning. And he writes to assure us that that truth they heard at the beginning is still the truth. So with that in mind, let's read the closing passage of this letter. It starts in 1 John 5, verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is a sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. 
We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. I love how John refers to you know, the church as dear children, such a, just such a, a, a close term, an intimate term. But Now, notice how he opens this passage, though. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. He writes and he says that you and I, he wants us to know. He doesn't want us to wonder. He doesn't want us to, to, to doubt he, he wants us to be certain. You know that commercial that's on right now? There's several variations where, where uh, 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 you know, there's the difference between, you know, uh, uh, pretty sure and certain. Remember, you know that commercial? Anybody? None of you watch TV, right? I mean, that, oh, that pagan box. You don't watch that at all. <laughs> But yeah, that you know, yeah, yeah, you can be, pre, you know, pretty sure you can be certain. You know, I'd rather be certain. Well, he writes that that we may know, not that we may hope, not that we may wish, not that we may be pretty sure, but know. He wants us to know that we have eternal life, and once we're settled in that, we can be confident of several things that he lists out in this uh, in this passage. We're going to look at six assurances, six things that we can be confident in. And the first is we can be confident and those who have been born from above have been born of God, belong to him, are living in the truth. We can be confident that God hears us. He hears us when we pray. Verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. There is a confidence that we have as we approach God. Now, so often we use language that focuses on one day, one day in the future, don't we? I mean, we think to say, you know, one day this will all make sense. One day there will be no more pain. One day I won't have to struggle anymore. You know, one day, one day, one day. And while all of that is true, it's also very true that we live with Jesus in the kingdom of God now. The kingdom of God isn't just some future thing. The kingdom of God is here now. That's what Jesus said. When he came, he inaugurated the, the, the kingdom. He brought the kingdom of God with him. And he said, the kingdom of God is among you. Um, our faith is isn't just about going to heaven someday. Some, t some people, that, that's what they focus on. Oh, I'm just going to try to make it, and I'm going to you know, hope I get to heaven one day. And that's their whole focus in life. But it's not just about going to heaven someday. It's about faith for living now. John wants us to know that we can approach God for help now. We don't have to wait for one day. And we are assured that we can go directly into God's presence. And as long as what we're asking for aligns with God's will, he hears us. Now, that's a key. It has to align with God's will. You know, if we say, Lord, this person did me dirty, strike them down with a bolt of lightning, that's not exactly God's will. In fact, it might be good to remember that no matter how dirty that person did us, God loves them as much as he loves us. 
and his heart's broken over their sin, just like he's it's broken over our sin. So, you know, but he will hear us. And this is how Jesus taught us to pray. He taught us to pray according to the will of God, the will of the Father. He said, you know, he, he taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy Lord, your, Father, your will be done. Let your will be done on this earth. That's how he taught us to pray. That's how he modeled prayer for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Father, this is what I want. I, in my humanity, I do not want to go through what I'm facing right now. If there's any other way, I'm open for options. But there wasn't. There wasn't. And it's interesting. When you look at the, I was reading in the, in the Gospels recently on, in, the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because I always pictured before, Father, is there, if there's any other way, let this cup be taken from me, you know. And then I picture the father saying, sorry, son, this is the only way. This got to be this. But Scripture doesn't tell us that. It doesn't tell us if the father answered anything. So Jesus was praying if there's any other way. But then he knew down in his heart, this is the reason I came. There isn't any other way. And he didn't need the father telling him, nope, sorry, this is it. Because he knew. In his humanity, he didn't want to go through it because he knew the pain. He had seen crucifixions. He knew the pain. He knew what he was facing. But yet as God's son, he also knew this was it. It's the only way, and that's why he came. So... He taught us to pray God's, the, the, the God's will. He modeled the, praying God's will. And, you know, when we pray like that, when we pray submitted to God's will, it says he hears us. Interesting word for the word hears. It doesn't mean just he hears the sound of our voices, like you're hearing the sound of my voice now. It doesn't mean that. He means he li- it, 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 the word for hears means he listens favorably. So when we pray according to God's will, he listens favorably to us. So based on that, John says, when we pray according to this will, he listens favorably to our request, and we can know that, number two, we have what we asked. Verse 15. And we know that he hears us, or we know that he listens favorably to us. And whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Now, John is recalling something here. He's recalling what Jesus said in the 15th chapter of his gospel, of the gospel of John. John 15, 7 says, Jesus says, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, You can ask what you wish, and it'll be done for you. Now, sometimes we look at that statement and say, well, I prayed for something, and it didn't happen, and I'm a believer, so it doesn't work. You ever thought that? You ever been tempted to think that? Ever had anybody say that to you? I would think I'm the only one, except I see you laughing. No, um... See, this isn't just a blank statement that's saying, 
you know, that as a Christian, we can get whatever we want in prayer. Someone wrote a book a while back, years ago, saying, you know, entitled, How to Write Your Ticket with God. And I've always had a problem with that title because that's not what this is. We don't write our ticket with God. We don't go to him and say, these are my demands. These are the things that, okay, God, you want me to follow you. I'm giving you these demands. You do all. That's arrogance to think that we can do that. God is not a vending machine where we drop the coins in, say the right words, push a couple of buttons, and out comes what we want. As with anything else, we need to look at the whole of Scripture and need to understand what it's saying. I mean, we could spend weeks on this, but let me condense it down to the basics. God's promise to give us what we ask for is given to the person who, entrusts, who, who trusts him implicitly, the person who has a vital, ongoing relationship with him, the one who abides in him and in whom his word abides, the one whose life is ordered according to all Jesus taught. When we are in that place, then the things that we go to the Father to ask are the very things that are on Jesus' heart. And that's what it's talking about. When our prayer lines up with his, or or as you read the whole of John chapter 15, or at least the first section of it, it's talking about the parable of, um, not not the, not the, the, it's talking about the, where Jesus talks about where he's the true vine and we're the branches. And it says a lot about bearing fruit, bearing more fruit, bearing much fruit, you know, bearing lasting fruit. It's, it, it, it talks about that. And it's all in the context of, of us being branches that are connected to Jesus, the vine, through whom all of the, 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 the sap and, and life and everything flows from him into us for one purpose, bearing fruit, bearing fruit, not so that we can get all the things that we want to get, but so that we can bear fruit. I tell you, you start praying that, God, I want to bear fruit. I want to lead people to you. I want to lead people to Jesus. I want to touch people with your love. You start praying like that, you're going to start seeing some things happen. Jesus doesn't just write us a blank check for us to cash in our will. It all, it all uh, works in the context of our relationship with him. And another thing about this promise is the details of when and how and all of that. They're left in God's hands. He determines the how. He determines the when that he's going to give us what we ask for. It's not always our timing. But sometimes we think that we have to talk God into answering our prayer. You ever feel like that? You know, got to talk God into answering my prayer when really he's just there wanting to pour out his gifts in our lives. He's just there wanting to, uh, to uh, um, um, give us good things as he determines them. 
Third thing we have confidence in is anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Verse 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe. That's Jesus, the one who is born of God, keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. This is not saying that we reach a state of sinless perfection where we never sin. We know that because if you back up and read the previous verses, we're told to pray for those in the church who sin. Now, it's a difficult passage, verses 16 and 17, because they differentiate between those whose sin leads to death and those whose doesn't. Now, have you ever read that and wondered, what's that talking about? Well, so have I, and so far I've not found any consensus among scholars of what John means by a sin that leads to death. I mean, is he talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Is he talking about deliberate, knowing, willful rejection of God? Or, you know, what is it that he's talking about? And I haven't seen anywhere where there's some consensus of what he's talking about. He doesn't tell us what he means by that, so we can only speculate. But we do know this. The fact that John says we are to pray for those in the church who sin, tell us he's not talking about us reaching a state of sinless perfection here. The key to this verse is in the phrase, does not continue to sin. He's saying that the one who is born of God leaves their sinful lifestyle behind. There is a difference in the way that we as believers live our lives and the way those who are not believers live their lives. I mean, people should be able to look at our lives and tell that we are a believer just by the way we live. And not just other people, but we should be able to see a difference in our lives because we don't live the way we used to. I mean, you may look at your life after giving your, surrendering your life to Christ. You may look at your life you know, for the last week or the last two weeks, and, and maybe you don't see a huge difference. Maybe just a little bit, or maybe, you know, you know it, it's been a little bit longer, and yeah, there's, it's a little different, but, but if, you want, if you've given your life to Christ, and you look back five years, or you look back ten years, if you can't see a difference in your life, then there's something wrong. My life is totally different than it was how many years ago in, in, in 78? Totally different than it was back then. Now, when I gave my life to Christ, yeah, there were some things that changed right away, but there's a whole lot that didn't. And I've spent all these past decades working on those things, or rather allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my life. But there's a big difference between me then and me now. And if you've been walking in any, any length of time at all with Jesus, then there is a difference from when you started that walk to now. You are farther down the road. And if you don't think you see it, ask somebody that knew you then and that knows you now. Because I guarantee you that they can see it. If you've been walking with Jesus... As we follow him, as we walk with him, our lives change. In addition, 
the one who's been born of God not continuing to live in their sin, we also stand in the protection of God. The one born of God, again, that's speaking of Jesus, the one born of God keeps us safe. It's not a promise that bad things will not happen. We know that from looking at those who have been martyred for their faith, looking at the things they've gone through, look through the history of the church, look through a book like Fox's Book of Martyrs, look at, uh, go to Open Doors website or Open Doors app and look at the persecution that's going on right now. There's no way that anyone can say this means that, that bad things will not happen. But what it is, it's a promise that as we abide in Christ, no matter what the enemy does to us, Christ will preserve us through it. It may be preserving us through death into the fullness of eternal life, but he will preserve us through it. Fourth thing John writes to give us the assurance that we are indeed the children of God. He says in verse 19, we know that we're children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We can know it. We don't have to wonder. The rest of the world is under the control of the evil one. We know that. Paul writes about that as well. We know that not just by what John says here, not just by what Paul says elsewhere, but we can see it by looking at the world around us. Not, not by way of judging, but by way of observation. Those who belong to the world reflect the nature of their father, the evil one, the devil. The world is becoming increasingly more and more corrupt. Look at the increasing persecution around the world of the church, the increasing persecution. And then look at our culture. Our culture is full of self-centeredness, divisiveness, cruelty, violence, hatred, licentiousness. All the evidence that, you know, surrounding us tells us that there is an evil force in charge of this world. But not in charge of those who have been born from above. Because we are children of God. Our lives reflect our Father, God. And knowing that gives us confidence. Now, we know that with humility. It's, this is not a place to be arrogant. That is not a place to be judgmental. That's not a place to point at fingers in anybody. It's just an observation to be made that this world system has a different set of values than the kingdom of God has. And I'm ordering my life and I'm living my life according to the values and the principles of the kingdom of God. Fifth, we have confidence and we are assured that the Son of God has come. Verse 20, we know also that the Son of God has come and given us understanding. And this one really sums up pretty much the whole letter. Everything in this letter comes from this single truth, that the Son of God has come. God has broken into our world to take over. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, 
It was nothing less than God breaking into our world, the Son, God the Son taking on human flesh so he could reveal the Father to us. You want to know what the Father's like? Look at Jesus. He's the express image, the exact representation of the Father. He came into this world to show us the Father. He took on human flesh so he could reveal the Father to us. John is saying this because of the false teachers who denied that Jesus had come in the flesh. Remember, we talked about that. The false teachers had come in and actually had, had risen, some of them had risen up within their ranks and, and were pulling people away uh, uh, with this false gospel. And, and so, the, you know, saying that Jesus didn't really come in the flesh, that he only appeared to come in the flesh, but he didn't really have a fleshly body. It was early forms of Gnosticism uh, creeping in. And, uh, I, I, you know, so, so John says this because of these false teachers that denied the humanity of Christ and, you know, saying that he only appeared to have a body of flesh. And John just adamantly denies that throughout this letter. Because he, this is the thing, if we deny either the humanity of Christ or the deity of Christ, then we deny his ability to save us and cleanse us from our sin. And John says this so that we can be confident in the fact that the Son of God has indeed come in the flesh. He's assuring us what you heard from the beginning is still the truth. Jesus Christ God, come in the flesh to reveal the Father to us. And this leads to the last thing which we can be confident, and that is that verse uh, number 6 says that we know him who is true. Again, verse 20, we also know that, or we know also that the Son of God has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Again, he's combating these false teachers who said that the way that we know God is through divine knowledge. And that's the thing. They claim to have special revelation. They claim to have this divine knowledge that was just given to them. Now, God speaks to us through revelation, but it's not special thing given to a certain few. And that's what they were claiming, that they had divine knowledge that nobody else had, and, and they claim they received it through special revelation. But, you know, John combats this and says, no, our knowledge of God is revealed to us through the person of Jesus, the Son of God who came in the flesh. This is what the Expositor's Bible Commentary says on this. It says, the reality of God can be known only through apprehending the reality that is in the Son. This comes through revelation but it is a revelation grounded in the facts of history. It requires that one know Jesus Christ as God's son and that one live his life entirely in him. So we can know him who is true. And then he gives a final instruction. He ends the letter with verse 21, says, Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from idols. Now, at first, this seems like it's out of left field. 
It seems kind of random. It seems rather disconnected from the rest of the letter until you think about it. The God of the false teachers, the God that they were promoting is not the true God as revealed in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. It is not the God revealed to us in the Scriptures. Our image of God must be who the Bible reveals Him to us to be. We cannot come up with our own image of who God is. We cannot make God into someone that we want Him to be. There was an album came out sometime in the 70s. And on the album cover was printed, In the beginning, man created God. He created him in his own image. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but that's the point. We can't do that. It's not up to us to decide who God is, what God is like. Jesus revealed the Father to us. Scripture reveals God to us. That's who He is. He is who He is. He's the I am who I am. That's how He described Himself in in, in Exodus 3.15. I am who I am. I am the I am. He's telling that to Moses. And we either accept all of who He is and trust in Him, or we reject Him. We don't accept part of him. We either receive all of him or we reject him. The moment we try to shape God into what we think he should be like is the moment that we stop worshiping the true God of the Bible and begin to worship a false God of our own making, which is what? An idol. So John says, don't even go there. Do not worship idols. Do not worship false gods, he says. You know the true God. You know the Son of God that came in the flesh. You know him. Don't turn away to some other image of God that is a false image and therefore is an idol. I want to give an invitation to anybody that maybe you've realized that the God that you've believed in is not the true God of the Bible. It's like, well, the God I believe in is he would never do this. He would never do that. He would do. He, he's like this. And it doesn't line up with Scripture. I want to give an opportunity right now for anybody listening to accept Jesus Christ as the true God and Lord of your life. Not who you think he should be, but as who the Bible reveals him to be. The creator of the universe, Lord and Savior, who died on the cross and physically, bodily rose from the dead. And who, as Scripture says, is now seated at the right hand of the Father. The one who has the rule, has the right to rule the world, including your life.
Let's pray. And if, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible, I invite you to do it now. Lord, I recognize that no one has the right to say that uh, or, to, or to, to create you in their image or, or to determine who God is. No one has that right. Your scripture is very clear on who you are. And we either accept or reject. So I'm coming to you right now, Lord, and saying, I believe who Scripture says you are. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe you are three in one God. I believe Jesus Christ came in the flesh and went to the cross and died for my sin. And I believe that on the third day, he rose from that, grave, from that grave, physically rose from the grave, and lives today. You are King of kings, you are Lord of lords, and I surrender my life completely, fully, totally to you right now. You are Lord. You are King. So I surrender my life and humbly ask you, cleanse me of all my sin and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If anybody prayed that prayer, if anybody from their heart prayed that prayer, and it's the first time either you've prayed it or the first time you've prayed it and really meant it, I would encourage you, tell somebody. I would encourage you, tell us. Tell us before you leave. Tell us if you're if you're watching, you know, online. Then, you know, send us a note. Let us know that we can celebrate with you. Let's stand. Prepare our hearts for the benediction. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. God bless you. Go out and have a great week. See you Sunday. We'll see you Wednesday for the thing we have going. Family fun night. <laughs>